the podcast on the Sing Second Sports Network are a ProVision Advisors production. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. Visit ProVisionAdvisors.net to learn more. Welcome, everyone, to the one and only Navy Football Podcast, presented by New Day USA. I am Bill Wagner with the Capital Gazette newspapers and the Baltimore Sun, longtime Navy beat reporter for all sports. I'm joined by two Navy greats, Eric Catani, who played for Paul Johnson in the triple option era, and we're going to, happy to have Coach Johnson, is going to be our alumni spotlight segment. Uh, He's alumni of a different sort. He's a coaching alumni, and we're thrilled to have Coach Johnson coming on later in this podcast. And then Keenan Reynolds, who played during the Ken Niamatololo triple option era, is also with us. That's our two expert analysts, Keenan and Eric. Guys, it's Air Force Week, the first leg of the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. No hype is needed. Got to go out to Colorado Springs to get a win. And obviously, there's a – it's always tough going out to Falcon Stadium and playing in the altitude, and that's something I'm going to ask you guys about. But there may be a, a good omen here. It's a 10 a.m. start in Colorado Springs, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, noon on the East Coast. The last time that Navy beat Air Force in Colorado Springs was 2012, and that game started at 9.30 a.m. And uh, we all know what happened in that contest in 2012. A plebe named Keenan Reynolds came off the bench and led Navy to a come-from-behind victory, although he kind of got bailed out by his offensive lineman. And Keenan, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was Jake Zuzak. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Keenan fumbled going into the end zone, but Jake Zuzak, a guard, alertly fell on the ball, and Navy pulled out a 28-21 overtime victory. So I'm going to start with that. And Keenan, we all know that that was an exciting victory for you, but you could not have been happy two years later when you went back out to Colorado Springs as a junior of a pretty good Navy team and you all lost 30 to 21. I don't want to bring up bad memories, but what what happened in that game? Do you remember? Yeah, turnovers. I actually I threw a pick in the end zone. They kind of had our number in the run game. If I remember correctly, um, they they played they did some things differently on defense uh, that we weren't weren't quite ready to to respond to. I didn't play well. Um, I was also like coming. I was coming off an injury. No excuse, but I didn't I didn't play well. Um, and that's that's really what happened. If I'd have played better, we probably would have had a we probably would have been closer. Um, if I would have thrown that interception in the end zone, maybe we would have won. Who knows? But uh, yeah, hate playing in Colorado Springs. It's like the bottom of my list of places to play for obviously for that reason, not, not getting the dub there my junior year. And then you mentioned the altitude. Uh, we were never going to talk about that, but hated that. I don't know. It's just something about being in Colorado on that campus that just rubs me the wrong way. I don't, I don't really know how else to describe it. Well, you had much better success at home against air force during your time at Navy in 2013, when you were a sophomore, 28 to 10, and then an emphatic victory, your senior year when you're leading the 11-2 and two team beat, beat the pants off Air Force 33-11. I'm guessing that that senior win over Air Force is one you remember the most? Yeah, yeah, we got after them. I think – I wouldn't say remember the most. Definitely my plea here was to remember the most because, like, going into that game, uh, we were kind of – we were down. Like, we, we had just got shut out at home the week before, and now we're going out to Colorado Springs, and it's just like, okay, what do we do, right, you know? The season is kind of on it. It felt like the season was on the line. Um, and we were going on a road to a team that everybody said we were going to lose to. And I don't know. We just showed up. We, we got we created turnovers. We took care of the ball. Uh, and, I mean, you mentioned me coming in later in the game, but Trey played really well that game. Once he had, like, over 100 yards rushing. Um, and he had a great game, and he just kind of got banged up, and I got the opportunity to go in. But uh, that was kind of like a defining moment for us as a team. I think we kind of came together at that, at that during that game to to really say, you know, put our foot down, and be like you know, we'll take control, we're gonna be 
we want to be a good team. We want to be a good football team. We want to win. We want to win the commander in chiefs and made that decision. I think right there. On- well, Eric Katani has nothing but fond memories of playing air force because Navy never lost the air force during Eric's time at the Academy in 2005, when Eric was a plebe Navy beat air force at home, 27, 24, uh, in 2006, Eric's sophomore season won at Air Force 24-17. In 2007, Eric's junior year beat Air Force at home 31-20. And then the senior year game out at Air Force again, 33-27. So my question, uh, Eric, do you have a favorite memory amongst all those games? I'm guessing maybe senior year is the one that you remember the most. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely senior year. You know, it's uh... – you know, winning three of those in a row and also three versus Army, you know, going into that game, you, you know, you put pressure on yourself, you know, not to, you know, kind of lose that streak. And the streak continued for, I think, 12 years uh, in total, uh, you know, not losing Air Force uh, or Army. So it was, a, it was a, you know, playing Air Force is, it's always a tough game. And then, you know, we talked about a, a couple of days ago with the spread of being 15, like, I don't see that happening. Both teams know you know the what it takes to win and also both teams kind of know the triple option they know you know how to you know stop the the blocks you know get to the ball pursue different angles and, and they're also used to that speed that other teams are not, are not used to in the practice scene so you know i as you said we never lost air force and i really hope that um you know the team shows up and bill why is it such an early start is it for tv rights i'm assuming Yep, TV purposes, which I'm sure – I mean, Keenan probably doesn't remember that that plebe year game of his was at 9.30 start. That was ridiculous. Um, I mean, yeah. it's no, noon I here. Remember that. I, I'll never forget that. We woke up – we had, like, wake-up call at 5.30 a.m. That I'll never forget that. Right. Well, well yeah. the, um, the Navy football team is staying in Denver. Uh, there's a convention in Colorado Springs, and they couldn't get the hotel rooms they needed. Are so they're staying serious? in Denver, and the uh, – they're leaving with a police escort at 6.30 from the hotel. How far of a drive is that from Denver to Colorado Springs? That's not close. It's, it's like an hour, right? A little over an hour, but if you hit traffic, it's worse. That's why I'm going to try to follow the team escort so that I don't hit traffic. Because if you that a lot of the Air Force fans come from the Denver area, and that I-25 gets backed up like crazy. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh early start but maybe it's a good omen for navy because the last time they went out there in 2012 was an early start how is so, that how, how is that a thing how, you know right there it kind of upsets me you know you, you can't have guys sit on a bus for an hour you know their, their hip flexors get tight and they, they get lackadaisical it's not the routine that they're in and plus like i know for me like i'm not a morning person when it comes to workouts i know i'm a better i know i'm better at games that are actually later in the day because I have time to actually like get ready for the game, stretch out, foam roll. If I need to get a, you know, you know, massage somewhere, like if I'm tweaked up, but that is, that is not good. Eric, I have to, you know, Keenan brought up the attitude. I mean, we all know that air force has placards posted in the visiting locker room. You are at 6,000 and whatever, 200 feet. And then they have other little warning signs about uh, 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 that, you know, altitude sickness and how it can affect you. And it's just all a bunch of mind games. But the fact of the matter is, it's it's not easy to deal with that altitude. Did you have any of it get affected at all out there? Yeah, I, I remember like doing um, you know, walk walkthroughs. We played this game called Walk Ball, and it's you know it's it's, it's real fun versus you know running backs quarterbacks you know you just you're, you're walking but you're kind of you know a little, little trot to it and i don't really know, feeling that you know just just like the you know i snowboard now and ski it's when you first get to that altitude you know it's the the dry mouth and you're, you're drinking a bunch of water and you're like you know this doesn't seem right then you like sit down stand up like oh that's not right so i know when we play we do not have oxygen in the nfl there's always oxygen tanks everywhere which i know that helped me out tremendously because you're just you're just gassed hopefully that you know the, the staff can you know, provide oxygen to these guys just to have that extra boost. Because this game means so much to, you know, the Naval Academy, but it's also the coaches. Like, this is a must win for the coaching staff. And we all know that. And they know that. So, Keenan, did you have issues with the altitude? I think you indicated you did. Uh, 
I mean, I don't think it, it didn't affect me that like to where I like feel like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I can play or not, but like the thing that really, that really sucks. And this is what I think makes it even harder to breathe. It's like your nose gets dried out. And when your nose gets dried out, it is, it, it almost hurts to like take big, deep breaths into your nose. Like you're supposed to, if you're tired. So you're trying to breathe, but then your nose is burning because it's so dry. So like the big thing is just like, staying hydrated, hydrating early and often when you get there, you're not going to adapt in a day. So that's, that's pretty much a moot point of trying to like get acclimated. Like it takes much longer to get acclimated to the, to the, to the uh, elevation than a trip, even if you leave on Thursday. So, I mean, I, I would say just hydration, try to keep your nose moisturized with like some saline solution or something, just so you can like feel some semblance of normalcy. But like at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're going to be tired, but you, you get to that game mode where you're, you're playing, right? At some point you get to it and you're playing. You're not really worried about, oh, am I, I can't breathe. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I could be in the minority there, but like, I just feel like if you allow it to, it is, it's definitely real, but if you allow it to kind of take over your mindset, it'll certainly affect you, but it doesn't have to as much, I should say. So guys, this is kind of like the immovable object versus the irresistible force. Air Force's offense is averaging almost 38 points per game, and they're leading the nation in rushing at uh, 412.2 yards per game. I mean, just a powerful rushing attack. They've got a great fullback named Brad Roberts. He's been around a few years. He's experienced. He's veteran. And last year, he rushed for something like 1,300. 50 yards. He had a great junior season. Um, meanwhile, the Navy defense is ranked fifth nationally in rushing defense, which, you know, I, I'd love to know if Navy's ever been that high nationally in rushing defense. I would find it hard to believe, but you got to give the front uh, defensive front seven a lot of credit. Uh, nose guard Donald Berneryard Jr., who they nicknamed Biscuit. Uh, Jacob Busick, the end, and Clay Cromwell, the tackle, have really done a good job holding the point of attack. And then the linebackers have been getting after it. John Marshall's having a great season at the striker position. Nicholas Strahl has done a tremendous job of holding the edge from that Raider spot, that other outside linebacker spot. And then they got four good inside linebackers. And Johnny Woodson Brooks is a guy that's really come to the fore as an outstanding player. But so is Tyler Fletcher who played really good, well against East Carolina and had a big interception at the end of regulation. So what's your thoughts here, guys? I mean, you got one team has been unstoppable on the ground, 412 yards a game leading in the country. The other team has been fitting the run really well and been hard to move the ball. And then East Carolina had a good rushing attack. They had two outstanding backs in Keaton Mitchell and Raji Harris. So that was a good performance for Navy to limit them on the rushing, but it, this is a whole new animal or a totally different animal with Air Force in their rushing attack. So what do you think, Eric? Do you think Navy can hold these guys, contain these guys? They're going to have to hold them way below 412. Last season, Navy held Air Force to 179 rushing yards, which is very respectable. Yeah, I think our, our defense is stout. Um, I'm just more worried about the, the big plays again, giving those up and let them score a couple, you know, quick little cheap touchdowns. You know, if we're not scoring on offense, it's going to be hard for us, you know, to win this game. So I'm putting this game not not on the defense. I think the defense is going to stand up for this. I think it's the game is going to be based on how Ty plays and how the offense moves. If, if we could score 21 to 28 points, I think we could win. Keenan, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Uh with, with what Eric is saying, I think an, another thing that's interesting is like we talked about the altitude. We just we just kind of briefly touched on like how that affects you as a player. If you combine that force with if we're not productive offensively, now your defense is on the field for you know 80 plays. At some point, no matter how stout you are, you're going to break down. And that's where you get gashed. That's where they put together 12, 13, 14 play drives. So, like, I think we have to be very on defense. We have to avoid, you know, Avoid the big plays because Air Force is always good for some cheap stuff, some trick play, some play act, like they always do it every single year. So stop that. Make you make them, you know, put together 10, 12, 14 play drives. If they can beat us because they put together four drives of 10 plays or longer, you know, 
hats off to you. You're just a better man today. But I don't think they can do that. And so it's going to be on the offense to, to help the defense out by having that sustained drive or that momentum or, or building momentum. But at the same time, defensively, we got to be cognizant of the cheap stuff, got to have eye discipline, because that's usually where guys get, get caught up is they get to looking at the wrong place, the wrong key. And next thing you know, your guy is streaking down the sideline wide open or something. Well, it's also before Coach Johns gets on. I know most of the games that I played in, special teams was a huge factor. Block punts for a touchdown, missed field goals, shank punts, short field position was, was crucial in, in a lot of the games, especially you know, these games. Well, you mentioned the Air Force also has always pulled out a couple big passing plays. You got to be wary of play action pass. And I'll tell you that they are ranked high in the nation third now yards per completion, almost 25 yards per catch. And they've got a, a really good receiver named David Cormier who can get – he can take the top off the defense. So they're going to have to watch out for that. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to have our alumni spotlight. And uh, then after that, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the offensive side of the ball for Navy because last year – well, for the last two years against Air Force, offense has been the big problem. So we're going to go to a break. When we get back, it'll be the Alumni Spotlight. We are so proud that this podcast is sponsored by New Day USA. If you are an active or retired veteran and you need a loan of any sort, conventional mortgage, refinance, home equity, or even a reverse mortgage, you need to call New Day USA. Admiral Tom Lynch captain of the 1963 Navy football team and a legendary admiral in the fleet is executive chairman of New Day USA and he assures that veterans will always get the benefit of the doubt whereas another lender may turn down your application New Day USA is more likely to say yes so veterans active and retired if you need a home loan of any sort contact New Day USA All right, we're back with our alumni spotlight segment, and usually we talk to a former Navy football player, but in this instance, we're going to talk to a former Navy coach, one of the greatest Navy coaches. If, if we're up there with Coach Niamatololo and George Welsh, Paul Johnson is the man who resurrected Navy football. Navy football was in a bad way, and Chet Gladchuk hired Coach Johnson away from Georgia Southern, and it did not take Coach Johnson long to get certain things turned around. Now, in 2002, Navy went 2-10, and 10, and I always remember the funny line because Gladchuck uh, <clears throat> had come up with the expect to win slogan, and then Coach Johnson at uh, postseason banquet said, uh, you all heard that wrong. He said, expect two wins, and, and that's what they got that first year. But that year was all about fixing the program, and Coach Johnson did a lot of things in 2002 that set the stage for success. And then in 2003, the next year, Navy turned around, went eight and five and won the commander in chief's trophy and also went to a bowl game, the Houston Bowl back then. And, and it was off to the races, 10 and two in 2004 and on and on. A lot of great seasons, a lot of domination of service academy rivals. Coach, it's Air Force week, so I'm going to get right to that, because when you came into the Naval Academy and took over this football program, Air Force was dominating the service academy rivals, Army and Navy, and Navy in particular had not beaten Air Force in a long time. And I think a lot of Navy fans feel the seminal moment was in 2003 at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, when Navy beat Air Force uh, 28-25, and Kyle Eckel was the fullback. Everybody remembers Bobby McLaren with the with the club and he knocked down a pass, but did you feel even more so than army? I know you had to beat army, but did you feel like you had to kind of take air force down first to get where you wanted to go? Well, I think certainly air force had kind of been the dominant Academy when we came in, they had uh, been, you know, beat Navy and army fairly easily for a long time. And uh, the one thing I remember is, you know, most people know me and I'm pretty competitive and, uh, my first year, we played at uh, up at Air Force, and we turned the ball over, and they beat us pretty handily. And uh, after the game, Coach DeBerry was very nice, you know, and, you know, hey, you guys are getting better or whatever. But then on Sunday, I picked up the paper, and uh, 
he said he wanted to send us a message and uh, that uh, in the Navy had learned a new way to count 0 and 1, 0, 2, whatever. And uh, so I put that newspaper article in my desk and I kept it there for the whole time I was at Navy. And fortunately, he never won again. Yeah, and uh, Fisher ended up uh, getting pushed into retirement due largely to Paul Johnson and Navy because they they didn't win again is what is right. And uh, so in terms of turning around the program, I mean, we talked about this way back when when I was covering the team, but you had to do a lot of things. Number one, there was like 165 guys on the team, and you basically felt like it needed to be more important to be a Navy football player. That just You couldn't just – everybody be on a team like it's, you know, a, a, you know, club sport or something. And so you, you started cutting some guys and then obviously you had to turn things around in recruiting. And it's really quite, quite amazing because you got things going before you really got your recruits in there. But I'm guessing that you, you know, Matt had to move some guys positions. I mean, I don't know what Echo was a linebacker and a fullback in high school. I don't know if he came to Navy as a fullback, but that kind of, fortunate that you found a fullback like echo that quick well he certainly was a great player and we had a nickname for him we we joked he was the academy killer because he uh he always had big games against the other two academies but uh i think the biggest thing was just getting the players to take charge of the program and we're fortunate you get a high caliber of uh you know person to come to the naval academy with a lot of character and and uh once those guys kind of took control of the team made our job easier. And um, once we started winning, the, you know, the next class didn't want to be the one to let the thing slide back. And it really just kind of took care of itself. But uh, I remember the game at FedEx Field like it was yesterday. And we were up, I think, three points in the fourth quarter with about two minutes to go and had the ball uh, fourth and one or probably about the five or six yard line and trying to decide whether to kick it or go for it. And we had a timeout and, uh, you know, they, they had started to move the ball. We'd been ahead the whole game. And I was real concerned if we kicked the field goal and went up six, we were going to get beat again at the end when they, if they scored. So, uh, and some of the coaches want to kick it. And I'm standing there talking to the players and Echo looked at me and he looked me kind of in the eye and he said, if you give it to me, I'll get it. And I said, uh, okay, we're going for it. And sure enough, we handed it to him a couple of times and he scored a touchdown and, and they did. They took the ball drove right down the field and and uh, scored a touchdown. So if we'd have kicked the field goal, I'm not sure we'd have won the game. But after that, we kind of had their number. A lot of close games, uh, a lot of great individual plays by guys. But uh, we kind of figured out a way to come out on the top end uh, for the rest of the time. So tell us your memories of Eric Catani. I I was introduced to Eric Catani at Ford Field in Detroit which was the home of the Detroit Lions. And they played Eastern Michigan out there. And Adam Ballard was the starting fullback, but Ballard and Katani came in and had a great game. And I remember he was brought to the interview room. And I, I, I don't even remember exactly what the question I asked, but I basically said something about, you know, do you surprised that you played almost as well as Adam Ballard? And he his answer was, you know, I'm a lot faster than Adam Ballard. <laughs> That's, that's, that's Eric. You know him pretty well, but, uh, no, Eric was a really good player for us. He was a, a physical runner, but he was, he, he had some speed and agility and, uh, you know, he's one of the better, uh, backs we had there at Navy. He was a, a tough competitor and a really good player. And he, he didn't pay me to say that either. I, <laughs> he went on to play in the NFL. So obviously that speaks volumes right there. Eric, why don't you jump in and, Kind of talk to your old coach. What do you got for him? Well, coach, it's good, it's good to see you again. Uh, last time I saw you was uh, actually in your office at Georgia Tech. That yeah, was, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – your, your office was absolutely amazing. So one of the questions that I, I tell this story all the time, and I'm not sure if it's true or not in your eyes, but it's my eyes. It's how I was recruited. So Coach Monken recruited me. Really hard to come to Academy. And I was, I was, I, I was not, you know, ready to go to Navy. I had a phenomenal visit. All the guys were great. Uh, coaches, staff were great. The facilities were perfect. And I remember going into your office, you know, faces, the Nail Academy office is better than a Georgia Tech office. That view you have is amazing. Right. And I, remember, I remember sitting down 
and he had the Naval Academy blue like binder with like the official letter. And you're talking to me, you know, you'd be a great fullback here. We're, we're excited, you know. And all I remember was, was I was 18 years old, you know, <laughs> you hand me the envelope and then you, you grab my hand and pull me up. And then you're like, we're super excited to have you. And you push me out of the office and everybody starts applauding. And they're like, we're so happy to have you here. I'm like, what's going on right now? And then all the coaches, Coach Cole's like, yeah, we're super excited, clapping. I get down to the main lobby. My parents are like, did you commit? I'm like, well, I think I did. Like, <laughs> is, is that? Did you do that on purpose, or what, what's the story with that? Well, I, you probably committed. No, yeah, we, <laughs> we we might have pushed you along a little bit, but uh, you, you know, was I'd talk to guys when they come in the office, and uh, if they didn't tell me no, I took it as a yes. Oh man, yeah, you got me good. <laughs> you got me good. So, well, I appreciate you doing that because you know, going to the Nail County was. You know, one of the best decisions of my life, you know, you know, playing in the NFL and serving in the Navy as well. So I really appreciate that, Coach. Well, I tell you, we were very fortunate to have you, and uh, you did a lot of great things as a player and I'm sure as an officer in the Navy as well. Well, Coach, I appreciate that because you never would have told me that there, and I appreciate that even better. No, I wouldn't have told you that when you were playing. <laughs> you, you, when you were playing, you might have been just a little soft maybe. Just little... <laughs> yeah, you, you got me a couple times. <laughs> well, Red you already told us on a – on a previous pod, he told us about how as a freshman or sophomore, he was on kickoff return and he like recovered a fumble and kept the ball and ran out the field and you grabbed right. him like, what are you doing? <laughs> he didn't say it. He's not, he's not a, little, a little harder than that, but it was good. Well, that was one of the things I think that uh, we tried to do to get the program turned around there. They had, maybe they had been a little too nice. Uh, I wanted to make practice tough. And as you said, we had a, you know, too many guys on the team that just – they didn't want to play. They just wanted to be on the team. And so when uh, we got there, we put put them on four or five different fields and we made everybody play. And it's amazing how many guys would come in the office the next day and, Coach, I've lost my love for the game. I think I'm going to hang it up. And so, you know, we narrowed it down, but we ended up with the tough guys and the guys that really wanted to be out there. So you and I talked last season when I went to the Army Navy press conference and talked <clears> to Jeff Munkin and Ken Niamatololo, and they both basically admitted they're not running a whole lot of true triple option plays where the quarterback reads it from jump. And Keenan did a lot of that. Keenan, by his senior year, was like a coach on the field, an offensive coordinator on the field. He could read it. He could execute it. But we've been talking a lot lately because it seems – there's less and less triple option, more design plays, call plays. Against East Carolina, Navy pulled out a bunch of different things because a lot of these AAC teams are now putting 10, 11 men in the box and daring Navy to throw. And so Keenan made a statement on our podcast that was wrapping up East Carolina that the Paul Johnson-style triple option offense may even be no more and that Navy's going to have to go to a different – you know, different play calls, et cetera. And I'm going to let Keenan jump in and give me his reasoning for that. But, I mean, you've seen that the service academies are not running true triple anymore the way you did. Why is that and why? And do you think it'll ever come back the way that you, you know, implemented it? Well, I don't know if it'll ever come back the way we implemented, but the uh, only thing I would say is uh, we were pretty successful doing it. So, uh you know, hopefully they can match the same success doing something else. But uh, I think you have to have a system, you have to believe in it, and you have to coach it and teach it, and there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, certainly if they're putting 10, 11 people on the line, you got to be able to throw play action and you got to be able to do some things. But, uh, you know, we didn't change much at Georgia Tech, and we had a lot of success with it right up to the time that uh, I retired. I mean, we played in three ACC championship games and went to a couple Orange Bowls, so – Still pretty good for us. Yeah, Bill, you got uh, you're gonna have Coach Johnson. He's not gonna like me. This is the first time we ever talk interacted. He's gonna be like, I, I don't like that guy. Um, but no, I mean, uh, to Coach's point, like obviously we had a ton of success as well, running running the triple. Um, I think my my take on it was simply like just the way the offense has evolved up until this point, the what what we're trying to do, the different things we're trying to do. Like I just don't think this year that they'll get back to a like baseline triple option like what everybody's used to seeing um just based on the players that they have and the type of teams that they're playing this year so 
I don't think it's, I wouldn't say it's like dead or anything because it's worked for many years and it's hard to stop when you execute it well, as we all know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the service academy game too, um, offensively, like what types of things will we be doing? Um, what will we lean on? Because like last week we just leaned on just straight fullback off the tack, off tackle and then some gun stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what the adjustment is this week. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I've had the opportunity to watch a couple of games and, uh, you know, certainly you got to play to your personnel. I'm not sure their personnel uh, fits. They seem to want to throw the ball more with this quarterback. And certainly after I left, uh, Ricky Dobbs, who we'd recruited, uh, they were probably a lot closer to what we were doing when Ricky played. Uh, you know, you were a, a very talented guy who could throw the ball and do some different things. Uh, but uh, – you know, you have to do what you believe in and what you know. And my thing is either you can do a lot of stuff and not do it very well, or you can do a few things and do it really well. And I don't think it's as much as what the other people are doing. I mean, you know, we played in the ACC for 11 years, so we played the same teams for 11 years. And our offensive production our last year was probably better than it was when we first started. So uh, you have to gradually evolve and you have to – I think the big key is knowing how to adapt uh, the way the people are playing you, you can adjust it. There's, as you, as you guys both know, there's a million ways to run 12 and 13 or the triple option. And that was only a part of the offense anyway. So, uh, you know, you play to your personnel and, and you go from there. So it's, uh, you know, beauties in the eyes of the beholder, I guess. Well, I've been watching this offense a long time. <clears throat> there's out my mind from what I've seen over the last few years, there's a lot more, design plays, called plays by the coaching staff, and very, very minimal read triple option where the quarterback is asked to read it from the outset, you know, put the ball in the in the mesh and read, you know, that and or whomever is, you know, taking the fullback, make a decision whether to pull it and go to the line. I'm just not seeing a lot of that, and I really haven't seen a whole lot of it since Keenan left. They did get back to it a little bit with Malcolm his senior year when Malcolm was an experienced guy and, you know, you know, he obviously could execute it that year, but there's there's been a lot more design plays. Um, I'm going to throw it back to Keenan and Eric for one more thing before we let you go, Coach. I don't want to hold you too long, but Eric, jump on in there. Well, Coach, uh, I have so many memories of uh, you know you you being hard on the, the the team and the players. I want to hear you know. So, what are some of your your favorite memories that you have you know during your coaching days? Um, you know, with with the because the players, you know, we learn a lot from you guys uh, as well. You know, um, I know I learned mental toughness. I remember the day after the Rutgers game on ESPN, we ran and ran and ran. And I think you were waiting for someone to quit, but no one quit that day. So I, I'm just curious, and what are some of your favorite memories and also what you think is going to happen for Air Force? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I've got a lot of great memories from, from coaching there. Uh, some of the individual things that uh, were really I, I look back on now and I think were, were funny is my first year there, we go to play SMU in Dallas the very first game. And uh, we win the game. I think they had won three games the prior three years before I got there. So we win the first game and we go in the locker room to sing blue and gold. Nobody knew the words. So on the, <laughs> on the next Monday, I, I heard I heard. That. Yeah. yeah, I had to. We we wrote them down and put it in the scouting report, and I told them all they had to have it memorized. And then we never won again until the last game against Army. So, but <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, if you remember when I was coaching, I was I probably had a lot of sayings. It's never as okay. good or bad as it seems. And I still it, use coach to be honest, and and they're they're classic, right? But uh, we're playing at Rice and. Uh, Dennis Phillips, who played offensive guard, who, who I think he's, he's from Texas somewhere. And uh, we're up 28 nothing at half, and we come out in the second half and go three and out. And I got him over the bench, and I'm getting up in there, tail pretty good. He's looking at the scoreboard and looking at me and looking at the scoreboard and looking at me. And I go, Dennis, you got something to say? He goes, only thing I can tell you, Coach, it's never as good or as bad as it seems. <laughs> and I wanted to get mad, but I got so tickled, I was trying to hide my face. Because he got me pretty good, and um, the other time he 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 got me pretty good was at Notre Dame. We're playing there, and uh, 
after the first series, I'm getting after him over on the bench, and I looked at Dennis, and I said, Dennis, I said, that guy is kicking your A-double-S. I said, is he that much better than you? He said, yes, sir, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I said, we'll try to get you some help then. But but it's funny. I remember the Notre Dame game when we finally beat them in South Bend. Oh, yeah. Um, The FedEx game beating Air Force. And beating Air Force every year was always a big deal. And and I was very fortunate. We never lost to the Army while I was there the six years. So, uh, you know, those games, just a lot of great players, a lot of great individual moments. And and some of the biggest memories are probably off the field stuff, you know, that uh, and uh, seeing how successful guys were. And then I had several guys who uh, Craig Candido coached for me, Lamar Owens coached for me, uh, Joe Speed. A lot of guys who played there ended up, Jason Snyder, a lot of guys ended up on my coaching staff throughout time. So I kept kept in touch with a lot of those guys. But, uh, you know, after that first year there, we had some really good teams. And I think the least we ever won was eight games and uh, beat both the academies every year, won the CIC. So it was uh, a lot of great memories. Good times. Hey, Coach, uh, one last question for you. So when I was playing Coach Jasper, he was like, Everybody knows. Everybody knows me. Knows me, Coach Jasper. He was like a second dad to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want to know some, 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 some good Coach Jasper story or something, some note that you could share that uh, a lot of people don't know. Because he told us, he told us some Coach Johnson stories while I was playing. So I, I definitely got to hear some from the other side. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Coach Jasper was a great athlete. I mean, really gifted athlete, and uh, he came uh, to Hawaii and he was there with. Uh, Michael Carter, who was a quarterback, and they kind of split time. And I was trying to get Ivan on the field because he was such a good athlete. So I was trying to talk him into playing some A back. And uh he he wasn't he wasn't having too much of that, you know, the having to block and <laughs> and do some of that. But uh I used to call him Mike Carter was like a a, a just a hard nosed, tough, just really physical guy. And uh, we call Coach Jasper our thoroughbred. You you wear people down, and you put him in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but he could throw that thing eighty yards in the air. Uh, he was fast. He was a good athlete, and uh, you, you know. And then of course he coached with uh, coached with me for a long time too, and we were really close. And uh, you know, you know, I, I if I thought back, I could probably remember some stories when he was playing. One time we were playing at Wyoming, I'll never forget. And uh, it's like 20 degrees and snowing. And he's trying to wear damn ski mittens playing quarterback. (laughs) And and I'm like. Doesn't work. Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly. So, uh, (laughs) But coming from L.A., when we go to some of those cold weather spots, he struggled with that a little bit. (laughs) That's funny. I'm going to have to ask him about that next time we talk. Yeah, all right. Well, Coach, we're so honored to have you on. Uh, Paul Johnson was recently nominated for the College Football Hall of Fame. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind he belongs in there. I think he should be a first ballot guy. He had success everywhere he coached. I mean, as an offensive coordinator, he was a key to success at Hawaii and at Navy. Then as a head coach, uh, did amazing things at Georgia Southern Navy and Georgia Tech. So, in my mind, you're a Hall of Famer, and it's only a matter of time before you get that honor, Coach. Well, I appreciate that, Bill, and I'm sitting here looking. I really like your picture there from 1992 that you got up behind you. That looks really good. I don't look at all like that anymore. No, that's a, that was a young Bill Wagner there. <laughs> well, tell the guys I said good luck, and I'll be watching, and uh, hopefully they'll get, they'll get Air Force. Air Force is pretty tough this year, I think. It's not going to be easy. All right, we're going to go to another break, and when we come back, we'll wrap this thing up. Thank you, Coach Johnson, for joining us on the Alumni Spotlight, presented by Academy Securities. A few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Fall is in the air. Three more home games remain for Navy football coming this October. Don't miss any of the excitement in Annapolis this fall. 
For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And if it's fall, it means that basketball season is right around the corner. Navy men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join us at Alumni Hall all season long as the Mids look to build off their exciting 2022 campaigns. In addition, this year, all Navy basketball season ticket holders will be entered to win an authentic Navy football jersey. That's the same jersey that they'll wear in this year's Army-Navy game. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And we're about six weeks away, speaking of basketball, for this year's Veterans Classic. Join us for one of the best traditions in college basketball this November 11th as Navy hosts the ninth annual Veterans Classic. This year's field includes Houston, Princeton, and St. Joe's. The event begins at 6 p.m. with a matchup between Houston and St. Joe's, followed by an 8.30 p.m. meeting between Navy and Princeton. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. Welcome back to the Navy Football Podcast. We're so thrilled to have Coach Johnson join us. That was a neat interview. Uh, Really fun going back down memory lane with Coach Johnson. So, fellas, offense. Last season, this game was the low point for Navy. Uh, Navy gained 68 total yards. They only had six first downs. Basically got nothing done. Uh, Defense played well. Air Force only had seven points through the better part of three quarters, but defense finally wore down and gave up a couple touchdowns in a field goal um, basically in the fourth quarter. Uh, the first touchdown came with like 30 seconds left in the third quarter. And we know the aftermath. We don't need to get into rehashing the aftermath of this game. But, you know, and they didn't do much better offensively out in Colorado Springs in 2020, which was really a, kind of a surprise game because Air Force, that was Air Force's first game. They weren't even going to play a season that year. The Mountain West wasn't going to play. And then they reversed course and decided to play. But that was Air Force's first game, which in the, retrospect may have been an advantage because they had nothing to do but prepare for Navy for a month, but they had sent 60 players home as turnbacks. So we thought they were going to be depleted, but they got after Navy that year and Navy did a little offensively. So this is two straight season, which the Navy offense really has not shown up and gotten the job done against air force. Keenan, what, what has to happen here on Saturday for Navy to produce points, possess the ball, and win this game. Yeah, that that's the magic question, you know. Uh, what has to happen? I think following a bit of the trend of last week would, would be a good start. You know, Mikael Hay, uh, Haywood had, I want to say, over 15, maybe 13 touches. Um, getting getting some other folks in the, in the A-back room involved. Uh, Anton Hall carrying the ball. He, he looked great. Um, he played well, took care of the football. And then let let Ty sling it around a little bit. I mean, we, I think we saw some of his strengths in being able to throw the football, um, and he had some success. So you're going to have to throw it against Air Force. It's it's going to be hard to to only have two or three pass attempts unless you're just absolutely getting after him. Um, I think showing a little bit of balance, you know, ten or so come com, uh, pass attempts, you know, or maybe ten or so completions would be a good start. I mean, it's always, like I said, it's always tough to move the ball against Air Force. Like, no matter when we've played them, we've always had to really grind for every yard, even in the games where we kind of beat them handedly. So it's going to be a grind. But like, like I said, I think that uh, especially after last year, I, I know the coaches uh, have schemed them up pretty well because I'll never forget my junior year after we struggled against them offensively. That, that spring, we were running Air Force plays the entire spring. And so I think that was a huge reason why when we got to the game my senior year, we just blew them out because we were so ready for them. We were practicing in the spring to beat Air Force. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if those same kind of things happened this past season after what happened last year. Well, Eric, I don't think a, a steady diet of fullback dies with undersized fullbacks against a really physical Air Force defensive front or Ty Lavatai between the tackles is going to get it done. I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think Navy's going to have to come up with some other wrinkles what are you thinking? I'm thinking that uh, it's going to be a tough game, even just with the, the logistics of getting out there to the West Coast and then the early times. And, you know, our guys are resilient and they're tough and, and they showed that in the double overtime. And Keenan hit all the points that I was going to hit about what we need to do. Uh, what's his status at home? Do you know, you know what's going on with him, Bill? Is he, is he healthy? 
Anton Hall Jr. Yeah. Uh, coach uh, Niamatololo said he thinks he's fine and should be able to play. Bijan Nichols, the kicker, isn't going again. But last year, last week, Navy found a kicker in Daniel Davies. He made three field yeah. goals, including the game winner. So uh, yeah. maybe losing Nichols and not having Nichols won't be as big a deal. But the other guy who might be out is the punter, Riley Reithman. He did not kick – he did not – take the last punt against East Carolina and his backup had to come in. So actually the last two punts to be, uh, so I don't like the fact that two starting specialists are not available, but, but let's hope that the backups, Daniel Davies and uh, Kellen D Peralta, uh, the punter can, it's actually DeGrav Peralta. Sorry about that. Can get the job done, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, up there too, is like, you know, other, you know, some fans don't realize this, but out through the ball carries. Um, that's why you know, Mile High Stadium, just the longest single field goal punter, are huge up there. You know, you, you can change a, a full momentum of a game by, you know, having a phenomenal punt that, you know, pins them down to the five, and especially in our offense. If we can pin them down and our rush defense, you know, stands ground, now we're getting the ball, you know, before the 50 or, you know, a phenomenal field position for our team to capitalize. So, Chris, I saw the over-unders, like, we're at 38, 30 and a half. So, you know, as we know, these, these games aren't going to be high scoring. Um, so I think it's going to, you know, go down to, uh, the last quarter and hopefully our guys, uh, have the stamina, you know, after that hour bus ride and, you know, flying out West to, uh, you know, pull out the victory. Yeah. Well, I think air force was a 15 point favorite to open Chris, where do we stand now? I know air force is an overwhelming favorite in this one. Yeah. The last one I saw was somewhere between 15 and 15 and a half. Um, that just seems like a ton of points. Uh, you, you know, if I'm, if I'm betting this game, I, I'd take Navy in the points and probably take the under. Um, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, three or four points spread always for these games. Like most, most six, six and a half. But, you know, as, as Bill said. Lately. No, I, I know that. No, absolutely. But, you know, look at ECU was, was heavily favored. So that's like 16 and a half, and, you know, we won. So I bet Chris bet the money line for that one. Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And you were successful. Chris, any question for the guys before we take this out? Um, I think the only thing I would I would ask is, you, you know, you guys touched on the toughness of the trip and you touched on the altitude. Is there anything different that they would have done at practice this week to get ready for the trip and the altitude? You talked about what it was like on game day, but, you know, what, what was happening in, in practice to get them ready for what they're going to face on Saturday? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. You just got to go play. Maybe some extra sprints, maybe. Maybe. But – I don't think anything different. Um, I think it was – I, I wouldn't be surprised if Coach Nehemiah kind of laid out, like, nobody's expecting you guys to be successful. You know, everybody's writing you off. You're playing at 930. We got to drive an hour. I mean, the list is long of things that aren't going our way. So it's about how you're going to respond, you know, when, when it's, when it's nut-cutting time. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I would say it was more so just kind of letting them know, like, we got to band together. We got to stick together. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a fight. Yeah. You know, I always remember the coaches, every coach said this, you know, this is, this is a business trip. We're here to do business. So we got to show up and, you know, close the deal. You didn't really get into it. And I know you probably don't want to dive too much into it, but uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm hoping that the, uh, the announcement that came out today about air force and probation and, you know, their recruiting issues, may, maybe that, uh, you know, sticks in their head a little bit and they come out, you know, thinking about something else. Right. Well, just to expound on, uh, it was announced by the NCAA today that Air Force has been put on two-year probation for recruiting during a dead period during COVID. And during the COVID times, the NCAA had certain dead periods and Air Force was recruiting. They had recruits on campus and they provided impermissible benefits and four coaches were reprimanded. And, uh, there's been a lot of other penalties. They had reduction in home visits, reduction in unofficial visits, reduction in roster size, et cetera. So to me, that's a Navy. I, I, if I'm Kennedy Amatololo, I'm using that. To look at these guys. They, you know, they're not playing by the rules and you know, we, we, we do. So we got to try to go beat them. Uh, one thing I will mention and Keenan had brought this up on our last pod. One way that Navy does deal with the altitude is goes out. Thursday instead of Friday to have an extra day to acclimate. They fly into Colorado Springs. They go directly to Falcon Stadium for a walkthrough. 
and get up there in that high altitude. And then they're out there for a full day for the game. So that, that is somewhat helpful. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, but now they're, you know, now they're going back to Denver, right? So that's, that's lower altitude. They're not standing up that whole, whole time. So it doesn't really do anything in my opinion. Right. Well, Keenan, before we close it out, what do you think of Air Force being put on probation? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, somebody sent me that tweet today and was like, what does this mean? And I was like, likely for us, nothing. I, I don't even think it, it comes up. It could be like a thing that the coaches will talk about in recruiting. It, it, it could definitely – it's obviously going to hurt them recruiting-wise, right? Like kind of see like, okay, this is how they do business. But, you know, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with us. I don't even think – the coaches are even thinking about it right now. Like they're thinking about what's going to happen on the field. At the end of the day, come Saturday, the guys that's on that team, you know, on, on the Air Force team are going to be out there and they're going to be playing. And that's the guys we got to beat. So I think it's, if anything, it's a distraction. Like it doesn't even, but it doesn't even do anything. But I will be curious to see like what kind of reverberates uh, in the offseason when recruiting really gets spun up. I know recruiting has changed now and they do official visits during the season now, which is unheard of from when I was playing, but like, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens come like the different signing days. One in this, I think one's in the fall uh, and then one's in the spring. So it'll be interesting to see like what all that, how that all shakes out. But I mean, I, I have to dig into the story more. I didn't actually read the actual story. I just kind of saw the headline. Well, great discussion. Uh, Air Force, Navy, Saturday, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain time. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Uh, first leg of the commander in chief's trophy. This is, you got to beat Air Force if you want to get that trophy back. So Navy needs to come ready and play a solid game. Fortunately, coming off of a victory at East Carolina. So winning on the road is a confidence boost. Uh, thanks so much, New Day USA, our presenting sponsor. Thanks so much, Academy Securities, which presents, sponsors the Alumni Spotlight. We appreciate Coach Paul Johnson joining us. I'm Bill Wagner. For Keenan Reynolds, Eric Catani, and our producer, Chris Cervello, we're out. We'll talk to you next week when we have the Air Force wrapped.